Chapter Thirty Two of the Triumph of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Emma Ortsey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Triumph of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Emma Ortsey. Chapter Thirty Two Grey Dawn. Ten minutes later, the courtyard and approach of the old house in the Rue Viedo were once more wrapped in silence and in darkness. Chauvelin had with his own hands affixed the official seals on the doors which led to the apartments of Citoyen Cabarus. In the living-room, the body of the unfortunate Moncrief still lay uncovered and unwatched, awaiting what hasty burial the commissary of the section would be pleased to order for it. Chauvelin dismissed the soldiers at the door, and himself went his way. The storm was gradually dying away. By the time that the audience filed out of the theatre, it was scarcely raining. Only from afar dull rumblings of thunder could still faintly be heard. Citizen Talion hurried along on foot to the Rue Viedot. The last hour had been positive torture for him. Although his reason told him that no man would be fool enough to trump up an accusation against Theresia Cabarus, who was the friend, the Igeria, of every influential man in the convention or the clubs, and that she herself had always been far too prudent to allow herself to be compromised in any way, although he knew all that, his overwrought fancy conjured up vision which made him sick with dread. His Theresia in the hands of rough soldiery dragged to prison, he himself unable to ascertain what had become of her, until he saw her at the bar of that awful tribunal, from which there was no issue save the guillotine and with this dread came unendurable gnawing remorse. He himself was one of the men who had helped to set up the machinery of wild accusations, monstrous tribunals, and wholesale condemnations which had been set in motion now by an unknown hand against the woman he loved. He, Talion, the ardent lover, the future husband of Theresia, had aided in the constitution of that abominable revolutionary committee which could strike at the innocent as readily and as ruthlessly as at the guilty. Indeed, at this hour, this man, who long since had forgotten how to pray, when he heard the tower clock of a neighboring church striking the hour, turned his eyes, that were blurred with tears, towards the sacred edifice which he had helped to desecrate, and found in his heart a half-remembered prayer which he murmured to the font of all mercy and of pardon. Citizen Talion turned into the Rue Viedot, the street where lodged his beloved. A minute or so later, he was making his way up the back staircase of the dingy house where his divinity had dwelt until now. On the second-floor landing, two women stood gossiping. One of them recognized the influential representative. It is Citizen Talion, she said, and the other woman at once volunteered the information. They have arrested Citoyen Cabarus, she said and the soldiers did not know whither they were taking her. Talion did not wait to listen further. He stumbled up the stairs to the third floor, to the door which he knew so well. His trembling fingers wandered over the painted panels. They encountered the official seals, which told their own mute tale. The whole thing, then, was not a dream. Those assassins had taken his Theresia and dragged her to prison, would drag her on the morrow to an outrageous mockery of a tribunal first, and then to death. Who shall say what wild thoughts of retrospection and of remorse coursed through the brain of this man, himself one of the makers of a bloody revolution? What visions of past ideals, good intentions, 
of honest purpose and incessant labour passed before his mind that glorious revolution which was to mark the regeneration of mankind which was to have given liberty to the oppressed equality for the meek fraternity in one vast human family and what did it lead to but to oppression far more cruel than all that had gone before to fratricide and to arrogance on the one side servility on the other to constant terror of death to discouragement and sloth for hours citizen talion sat in the dock on the staircase outside theresia's door his head buried in his hands the grey dawn livid and chill which came peeping in through the skylight overhead found him sitting there stiff and numb with cold whether what happened after that was part of a dream he never knew certain it is that presently something extraneous appeared to rouse him he sat up and listened leaned his back against the wall for he was very tired then he heard or thought he heard firm swift steps on the stairs and soon after saw the figure of two men coming up the stairs both the men were very tall one of them unusually so and the ghostly light of dawn made him appear unreal and mysterious he was dressed with marvellous elegance his smooth fair hair was tied at the nape of the neck with a satin bow soft billowy lace gleamed at his wrists and throat and his hands were exquisitely white and slender both the men wore huge coats of fine cloth adorned with many capes and boots of fine leather perfectly cut they paused in the vestibule outside the door of theresia's apartment and appeared to be studying the official seals affixed upon the door then one of them the taller of the two took a knife out of his pocket and cut through the tapes which held the seals together then together they stepped coolly into the apartment talion had watched them dazed and fascinated he was so numb and weary that his tongue just like it does in dreams refused him service when he tried to call but now he struggled to his feet and followed in the wake of the two mysterious strangers with him the instinct of the official the respect due to regulations and laws framed by his colleagues and himself had been too strong to allow him to tamper with the seals and there was something mysterious and awesome about that tall figure of a man dressed with supreme elegance whose slender firm hands had so unconcernedly committed this flagrant breach of the law it did not occur to talion to call for help somehow the whole incident the two men were so ghost-like that he felt that at a word they would vanish into thin air he stepped cautiously into the familiar little antechamber the strangers had gone through to the living-room one of them was kneeling on the floor talion who knew nothing of the tragedy which had been enacted inside the apartment of his beloved marvelled what the men were doing he crept stealthily forward and craned his neck to see the window at the end of the room had been left unfastened a weird grey streak of light came peeping in and illumined the awesome scene the overturned furniture the torn hangings and on the ground the body of a man with the stranger kneeling beside it talion weary and dazed always of a delicate constitution felt nigh to swooning his knees were shaking a cold dread of the supernatural held his heart with an icy grip and caused his hair to tingle at the roots his tongue felt huge and as if paralyzed his teeth were chattering together it was as much as he could do not to measure his length on the ground and the vague desire to remain unobserved 
kept him crouching in the gloom. He could just see the tall stranger pass his hands over the body on the floor, and could hear the other ask him a question, in English. A few moments went by. The strangers conversed in a low tone of voice. From one or two words which came clearer to his ear, Talion gathered that they spoke in English, a language with which he himself was familiar. The taller man of the two appeared to be giving his friend some orders, which the latter promised to obey. Then, with utmost precaution, he took the body in his arms, and lifted it from the floor. "'Let me help you, Blakeney,' the other said in a whisper. "'No, no,' the mysterious stranger replied quickly. "'The poor worm is as light as a feather. Tis better he died as he did. His unfortunate infatuation was killing him.' "'Poor little Regine,' the younger man sighed. "'It is better so,' his friend rejoined. "'We'll be able to tell her that he died nobly, and that we've given him Christian burial.' No wonder that Talion thought that he was dreaming. These English were strange folk, indeed. Heaven alone knew what they risked by coming here at this hour and into this house, in order to fetch away the body of their friend. They certainly were wholly unconscious of danger. Talion held his breath. He saw the splendid figure of the mysterious adventurer step across the threshold, bearing the lifeless body in his arms with as much ease as if he were carrying a child. The pale grey light of morning was behind him, and his fine head, with its smooth fair hair, was silhouetted against the neutral-tinted background. His friend came immediately behind him. In the dark antechamber he paused, and called abruptly, "'Citizen Talion!' A cry rose to Talion's throat. He had thought himself entirely unobserved, and the stranger a mere vision which he was watching in a dream. Now he felt that compelling eyes were gazing straight at him piercing the darkness for a clearer sight of his face. But the spell was still on him, and he only moved in order to straighten himself out, and to force his trembling knees to be still. "'They have taken the city in Cabarou to the conciergerie,' the stranger went on simply. "'Tomorrow she will be charged before the Revolutionary Tribunal. You know what is the inevitable end.' It seemed as if some subtle magic was in the man's voice, in his very presence, in the glance wherewith he challenged that of the unfortunate Talion. The latter felt a wave of shame sweep over him. There was something so splendid in these two men, exquisitely dressed and perfectly deliberate and cool in all their movements, who were braving and daring death in order to give Christian burial to their friend, whilst he, in face of the outrage put upon his beloved, had only sat on her desecrated doorstep like a dumb animal pining for its master. He felt a hot flush rush to his cheeks. With quick, nervy movements he readjusted the set of his coat, passed his thin hands over his rumpled hair, whilst the stranger reiterated with solemn significance, "'You know what is the inevitable end. The city and Cabarou will be condemned.' Talion this time met the stranger's eyes fearlessly. It was the magic of strength and of courage that flowed into him from them. He drew up his meagre stature to its full height and threw up his head with an air of defiance and of conscious power. "'Not while I live,' he said firmly. "'Therese Cabarou will be condemned to-morrow,' the stranger went on calmly. "'Then the next day, the guillotine.' "'Never!' "'Inevitably. Unless—' "'Unless what?' Talion queried, and hung breathless on the man's lips as he would on those of an oracle. "'Therese Cabarou, or Robespierre, and his herd of assassins.' Which shall it be, citizen Talion? By heaven! Talion exclaimed forcefully. 
but he got no further. The stranger, bearing his burden, had already gone out of the room, closely followed by his friend. Talion was alone in the deserted apartments, where every broken piece of furniture, every torn curtain, cried out for vengeance in the name of his beloved. He said nothing. He neither protested nor swore. But he tiptoed into the apartments, and knelt down upon the floor close beside the small sofa on which she was wont to sit. Here he remained quite still for a minute or two, his eyes closed, his hands tightly clasped together. Then he stooped very low, and pressed his lips against the spot where her pretty sandaled foot was wont to rest. After that he rose, strode with a firm step out of the apartment, carefully closing the doors behind him. The strangers had vanished into the night, and Citizen Talion went quietly back to his own lodgings. End of chapter 32